0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yes, I am Rashawn McDonald, and you are listening to Money Making Conversations. Great show. Great people. Great people to interview. Information. Great information I'm about to deliver for your ears and eyes to see and uh, comprehend and take in. Today, people of color, today people of color are winning. We're winning in entertainment. We're winning in sports. We're winning in the financial world. And we're often winning in politics. But where people of color are not winning is in the justice system. That is the subject of my next guest in his new book, Open Season. My next guest and I have created and co-produced television shows together. He is a friend, little brother, fraternity brother, and the founder and principal owner of Ben Crump Law. He has been recognized in National Trial Lawyers, Top 100 Lawyers, and Ebony Magazine, Power 100, Most Influential African Americans. He has represented families in several high-profile civil rights cases, including Trayvon Martin, and most recently, the black man who was shot and killed when a Dallas police officer walked into the wrong apartment and thinking it was hers, and she shot him while he was sitting on the sofa eating ice cream. My guest is on the show to talk about his new book, Open Season, Legalized Genocide of Colored People. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations again, Attorney Ben Crump. Good morning, (laughs) Rashawn. Good morning, my friend. Good morning. I know you just landed in New York. It's a big media run. Congratulations on this book, man. I know how long you and I have been talking about this book, probably about two years. Um, Rashawn, it seems like it's been so long, but I
1: have to tell you uh, publicly what I told you privately, you know, your guidance and direction with uh, every aspect of this book, and just like when we did the uh, awesome TV show "Evidence of Innocence," yes, sir. The, I mean, the cover selection that uh, Variety magazine is calling iconic, mm-hmm. from the title of the book and content. You know, every time I would uh, bend your ear to advise and counsel me, you always gave me very prolific advice <laughs> and for that there the fact that the book is the number one uh sold book on amazon for pre-orders mm-hmm. is uh, really a testament to a lot of your counseling and advice and i always thank you for it brother and so i'm um, this is an exciting week just know yeah your voice is in my ear as yes, i go through all these interviews
0: thank you well you know it's great i thank you for the compliment and i thank you for being the person that you are in reading the book my whole thought was that this is one of many now because i i heard your voice i heard your passion and i heard your concern as to why this book and many books that you're going to write in the future per- in the future going to provide us with knowledge because so much information is being hidden in the justice system and this book you know, open-season legalized, legalized genocide of color people is kind of like the first stage of getting that information out to us, correct?
1: Mm-hmm. Certainly. And, and tragically, Rashawn, it's almost as if the book stays relevant no matter what we do. Uh, as we're speaking this morning, you know, America is learning another name of a hashtag victim, uh, Atiana Jefferson, the black lady in her house, uh, taking care of her eight-year-old nephew. The cop shoots inside the house and kills her. Mm-hmm. Very similar to Botham John case where the white policewoman comes into his apartment while he's minding his business, doing everything he has the legal right to do. Mm-hmm. She allegedly thinks it's her apartment, shoots and kills him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and thank God uh, that was a historic case because it was the first time a white police woman has ever been convicted of murder Mm -hmm. for killing a black uh, person in the United States. But with all of that there, it still remains that the law, the law itself, Rashad, and that's what we talk about a lot in this book, Mm -hmm. how whether it's on the streets or in the courtroom, the law that is supposed to protect us, they're using it to kill us. Mm-hmm. And this is a continuation of what was done 70 years ago when the great Paul Robeson and W.B. Duis and other black leaders went to the United Nations and said, we chose genocide for how you're killing black people in America and it has been proliferated by the law.
0: Right, right. You know, the interesting thing about it, let's stay on the, um, the Dallas case with the Dallas police officer because you and I were yeah. texting during that trial and mm-hmm. also texting afterwards. And I saw you on CNN uh, after the trial and the, the, the hug uh, that was seen around the world doing that yes, trial when he, when his brother left the stand and hugged her um, your, your thoughts on that. And then yeah. because my, and I'm t- share my thoughts on that, about that hug. Okay. Well,
1: it, it is important to know Rashad, the backstory of this Brent, who was Botham's younger brother, uh was only sixteen years old right. mm-hmm. when his brother was killed. I mean this is the person who he slept in the bed with as a toddler, the person who was his hero. Right. Um and so when she killed his brother, I mean he went through all kind of issues. He was angry. He he hated her. I mean he, he just he wanted to harm her. When it happened, Mm -hmm. because she took his hero. He dropped out of high school. Mm -hmm. He he punched a hole in the wall. His mother and father had to uh, get him some serious counseling because, as they said, they are Christians. Brent, this isn't our way to give way to hating. You -hmm. can't take this hate with you throughout your whole life. Mm -hmm. So when you saw, Him in that courtroom on that uh, day of the victim impact statement, it was over a year of him going through a whole range of emotions. Right, right. Where he finally got to that point, right. And uh, you know, he didn't know that the cameras were running. He thought that was just between him and her. And so that's the backstory of it. So people, before they start to form opinions of about, uh, you know. He should forgive the killer of his uh, brother where they need to understand what kind of family this is. This is a godly Christian family and that this young man has been through it all. And don't judge him for how he's
0: grieving. You know, it's really interesting because of the fact that, you know, African-Americans are people of color, even though we share the same religious beliefs, are often seen seen as heathens, seen as violent people. Mm -hmm. I thought that was a monumental moment for... uh, for our people, to show that there, yeah. even at this level, there's forgiveness, and whether he knew the cameras were running or not, the the, the moment that we can not forgive. The only thing I was kind of taken aback mm-hmm. was when the uh, the judge hugged her. I didn't understand that, but you know that <laughs> nobody,
1: <laughs> nobody understood that, or uh, why the bailiff was uh, helping rub her hair. Yeah, uh, and, and nobody has seen them give that kind of consideration or affection to a uh, convicted murderer who is black. Right. In fact, it's the opposite. Right. They won't even let the family hug them.
0: Right. You know, when I still say there was an amazing uh, case from a standpoint of gaining some type of victory because so many people were were, were captivated by her personality, by her being young, by her being, you know, you know, she's just young, she just made a mistake, you know. A lot of people were trying to trivialize the severity of what she had done, you know, and the fact that you guys came back with a guilty victory vi- guilty victory uh, verdict is really uh, 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 awesome in the sense that justice was served properly. When I say the word awesome, yeah,
1: but yeah, because Rashad, most people had predicted that she was going to get off. Right. I mean, all the talking heads on the the legal correspondence shows they just said, "Nah." She's going to get away with it because, obviously, she didn't mean to do it. And the
0: only thing I I would say is, with an argument in open season, it's about equal justice under the law. Over the years, uh, I I know as an individual, you were thrust out into the public's eye with Trayvon Martin's case. And you've done your homework to be able to understand your role and how you have to present yourself. That was part of your growth, too, as well as leading up to this book, correct?
1: Absolutely. And you helped a lot with that, Rashad. I mean, uh, it was a journey. And uh, I'm a country boy from North Carolina. And then when you're put on the stage as uh, (laughs) arguably the most recognizable civil rights lawyer Mm -hmm. in America, then you have to definitely grow into that role and you have to work on it every day and try to improve on it every day, just like you often talk about on money-making conversations. It's a continuous growth, and you're always learning. Mm -hmm. And so, whether it's in the courtroom or whether I'm uh, advocating on TV, I'm always trying to learn how to make sure we're being effective. As a trial lawyer, that's what we do in courtrooms every day. Mm -hmm. You you work to communicate with people. Mm -hmm. You don't want to talk over them. You don't want to talk below them. You want to talk to them. And in doing so, you try to Find out what are the things that have been expected from the past, mm-hmm. and then how do I make them better? Mm-hmm. And that was an a exercise that I really tried to do with the book because as I reread it and reread it, I tried to listen and say, Now, what about this uh, white person in suburbia America? How do I illustrate the point to them mm-hmm. that this is an American issue and that? Uh, they also should be concerned with how the law is killing black people. Right. Um, that was the, the real important challenge. And I think we tried to do it. I pointed out a big thing about community people in America. It is the government, the police represent the government. It's their most visual form that have interaction with everyday citizens. And so if the policy is, to let police kill black and brown people, then essentially that's the government killing Mm -hmm. black and brown people. Mm -hmm. And that is the exact case that was argued to the United Nations. So what I foresee... As this book gains more attention and awareness, it is taking a lot of the families back over to Switzerland at the United Nations uh, Convention in Geneva and making the case again that we charge genocide based just on the laws and the statistics. Don't take our word for it. You tell us anywhere in this book where it isn't true. What you're doing to black and brown people.
0: Right. You know, the amazing thing, we're talking to attorney, uh, civil rights attorney, Ben Crump, uh, his book, Open Seasons, which you can go to Amazon right now and pre-order. It's the number one book in pre-order right now on Amazon. The book will hit the stores, the airports, all the Barnes and Nobles. Physically, you can go buy the book this week. The book is called Open Seasons, The Legalized Genocide of Colored People. I know my social media will be blowing up, blowing up. If you come to at Rashawn McDonald, you will see a Ben Crump post about his book because it's a special book. It's a book about information. It's a book about education. It's a book about telling you what you need to know because you don't know. And I think that you did a fantastic job in not making um, white people feel guilty or make them feel insecure or make them feel afraid. You're just stating facts. The facts is is that you continue this direction. You're taking away. People can pay taxes. People can build this country. People can make this country better. People can make America better of being incarcerated wrongfully. And when they're being incarcerated, they can't even live a life. that they, they can, an advantageous life to anybody. So all I, all I can say, Ben, I want to continually push your show. Thank you for taking the time to come on the show. You know this is a big week for your book. I know I'm one of many interviews you're going to do this week. Ricky Smiley, D.L. Ugly, Steve Harvey, Gail King. Yeah. But I got you first, brother. I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> you got the first <laughs>
1: interview in it's you, uh, so uh, I will be with uh, Sonny Hoffman at the Strand Bookstore uh, and Broadway. Mm-hmm. They say the largest bookstore in America. And then I go to Gary King, the breakfast club, and we hit them all. Uh, I think Bill Maher is set uh, uh, for taping on HBO. Cool. Because I do think uh, cool. open season of the book that we need as many Americans Thank as Thank you,
0: Ben I appreciate we. you, brother. Good luck, man. Thank you. Yes, sir. Bye. We'll be right back with more from Rashawn McDonald and Money Making Conversations. Don't touch that doll.
2: Hey, this is Tasha Evans, and I love to eat at great restaurants. And more than that, I love great desserts. So does Rashawn McDonald. Check out his new website. That's www. RashawnMcDonald.com That's R-U-S-H-I-O-N and McDonald is spelled just like the famous restaurant chain. Guys, Rashawn is looking for great bakers for his Baker Spotlight. He wants to brag on his fans for their incredible baking skills on his social media and website. That can be your mom, friend, co-worker, or relative. Spread the word
3: today. As host of Money Making Conversations, Rashawn McDonald is uniquely positioned to provide a step-by-step, easy-to-understand blueprint that drives listeners to realize their dreams and aspirations.
1: Until you do the business plan or incorporate or actually create that product or start selling products, the universe doesn't have to deal with you.
3: Money-Making Conversations is an innovative platform that delivers financial literacy to help everyone with their brand success.
4: It's good to have a money-making conversation with somebody that make money.
5: (laughs) Excuse me.
0: Wow. Money-making conversation. I started it on my Facebook page in 2014 when I was managing Steve Harvey. And um, because uh, people were asking me to mentor them, and I knew my schedule wouldn't allow me to mentor them because I was all over the place trying to build a brand, my, my personal brand as well as to build a brand and continue to build a brand of Steve Harvey. It started like one question on a Monday afternoon. I would do it. Ask questions for an hour, and that session would last for three hours. What were they asking? They questioned about the business, questions about motivation, how to be successful, who should they talk to the, to learn information about being successful. Where, where can they go to get information about being successful? That was the basis of how I started money making conversation on my Facebook page. Then in 2017, I launched it on a radio show in Houston, Texas. Just called some of my friends in the industry to call in. Didn't know why I was doing the show. Didn't have a point of view of doing the show, and I stopped because I realized that if you're going to do something, if you're going to benefit somebody by giving them information, by motivating them, by telling them how to be successful, you yourself have to understand how to do that. And so I relaunched the Money Making Conversation show in Atlanta, Georgia, and uh, 18 months later, it's uh, on fire. Very successful show that's been allowing entertainers to come on my show who are actual, actually small businesses because of social media CEOs come on my show uh, billionaires millionaires come on my show Industry decision makers come on my show and it's a show that allows them to talk about their story their story from the standpoint of the highs and lows how what allows them to be successful this long period that what allows them to be successful, when they feel down, when they when they doubt themselves, who do they turn to? What what do relationships mean in enabling them to be successful? That's what this show, Money Making Conversation, is all about. And I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. My guest, she's on the phone. I already told her before she got on the before we started the interview that I'm a big fan, and you have to be a big fan of a person who has a career that is uh, as a <clears throat> outstanding. Let's use the word outstanding as hers. My next guest is a third generation. Bachelor of Fine Arts, graduate of Washington, D.C.'s Howard University. You know, the resume said, the bio said Washington, D.C.'s Howard University. You don't need to put Washington, D.C.'s in front of Howard University. You just say Howard University, and we all know what you're talking about. And she's a member of the legendary Alpha Kappa, Alpha Sorority you're talking to and you're listening to, a member of the Mega Sci-Fi Fraternity Incorporated. She became only the second black actress to win the primetime I Emmys mean, outstanding lead actress in the miniseries or a special at the time for the Josephine Baker story. That's when she just just was on the face of everybody's mind as an incredible actress. I believe that age range she had to act was from 18 to 70 in that in that particular casting. She was truly outstanding. She has worked steadily in film and television since her arrival in Hollywood, and she is on the show today to discuss the fourth season on OWN's hit drama series Green Leaf. You can watch the show every Wednesday at 10 p.m. Eastern and Pacific Time, 9 p.m. Central Time on the Own Network. That's Oprah's Network. But she, portray- she portrays Lady May Greenlee, the first lady of the Mega Church Calvary Fellowship World Ministries. Please welcome to Money Making Conversations, Lynn Whitfield.
5: Oh well, good morning. What a beautiful <laughs> introduction.
0: Well, thank you. I, I you know, some I, 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 worked on it this morning. I was saying, you, you know, because you don't want to give too much, because, because I, I missed stuff. So I wanted to be gentle in certain areas. Just, but also let people know the power of your success, the power of your journey. And Josephine Baker, you know, put you out there as a, as an as, as a true actress from my standpoint. Just, this, this just saying this because of the fact you had to say play such a huge age range on in that in that in that casting. And now today when I see you on uh on the Green and we're going to talk about that. It it shows that your body of work just continues to grow. Can we talk about that a little bit before we really get into the interview about your body of work?
5: Well, I just call myself a storyteller and I enjoy it so much. I have such a passion for it. And uh, you know, often, you know, people talk about colorblind casting and all of that, and anybody can play any role, and that's true. But anybody can't play a black woman. So <laughs> you know, <laughs> we can go. Yes, yeah, we can go and do other. Like, well, of course, I'm biased. You know, mm-hmm. but the thing is, is that I it brings me such joy, and it's such an honor. For me to be a mirror to the souls and to the just beings of of, of black women, you know. Mm-hmm. So with Josephine Baker, it was, I mean, they screen tested and looked at everyone mm-hmm. and it was so exciting to me that I got that. And you know, to be a black woman in every frame of a <laughs> of a film, yes. like carrying the movie. Yes. You know, yes. that was just so exciting. And and to carry a movie with the story of such a trailblazer, such mm-hmm. an icon. Right. Such a full human being who made her mistakes, made mm-hmm. her financial mistakes, mm-hmm. which I'm sure if she could talk to you today, uh, Rashawn, she would have done something completely different. (laughs) Thank you. But but, um, so that and, you know, on through the, you know, uh, the women of Bruce place and Thin Line Between Love and Hate, talking about, you know, the importance of human beings' hearts and love and all. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what happens when you filter that in the wrong way and it turns your heart dark and hard, you know? Mm -hmm. That was exciting. And now today, with so many things in between, you know, to bring this uh, Lady May Lady woman May to life, you know, that we in the black community, we
0: know her. Mm-hmm. But due. she hasn't had much time on television <laughs> before, this kind of woman. Mm-hmm. Lady May. Let us talk about this, uh, you know, this uh, this setup that they have over here. You got Bob coming in with his church. Basically, he's taking over Bob the church. Bob Whitmore, can you yes. believe it? Bo Bridges, played by Bo, and you couldn't have cast a better man than Bo Bridges, white oh, man, is coming in. in this. And introduced his culture into the African-American because basically what he's doing is he wants to envision the ministry as like McDonald's. He wants yes. to buy up different churches around the country. So he you can go on his website and go, if you're in Dallas, just go to, you know, his church there. If you go to right. New York, Go to his church there. That's how his philosophy.
5: is yes. called the, the saving of souls as a franchise.
0: Yes. yes. You know,
5: and, 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 and I think it's an important storyline because it's happening. I yes. mean, it, it's happening all over the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's happening all over the world. You know, people with, you know, five, six campuses. Yes. And all of that. And so uh, the thing is, is, you know, I'm all for, you know, all the numbers. But, you know, when we, <laughs> when one loses the purpose of helping people find their pathway to God, that, that's a problem, you know?
0: Now, Lady so May, now, Lady May, let's go back on yeah. you now a little bit now. Okay, now. Oh, uh, okay. You, <laughs> Grace, now. Okay, Grace. Now, you, yeah. you was out there doing something before, you know, we will say that character was all straight and narrow. You know, uh, okay, now, you know, we sat out there and, uh. Had a little affair, you say one time only, but it uh-huh. bore the beautiful Grace, who is now at the front of the church, and is the only person that can save the church, but she has her own issues with this son named AJ. Okay. Yes. Oh, you have been watching this show. <laughs> Got to deal with her other crazy sister, Charity, you know what I'm saying, and her brother Jacob, who's a loser too. But everybody's sitting around the table. They sit around the table because her husband, <laughs> her husband, they live in the same house and he married no more. I can't tell all the story, but Jacob needs his behind whooped a little bit, too. Now, let's go over to my favorite character on the show. That's your daughter, Charity. She is a hot mess.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Can I say that one
0: more time, Lynn? Lady May, your daughter, Charity, is a hot mess on Greenleaf. Well,
5: she is. She is. She's just trying to find her footing. And, you know, a lot of times the baby in the family is like that. Babies and middle kids, you know? Right, right. right like, right. where do I fit in? Right. Why right. is everybody... Because you figure, you know, Grace Jacob had, you know, and Faith when she was still alive. Because, remember, this family is missing uh, one of their family members Absolutely. who committed suicide. Absolutely. But... You know, it's like by the time Charity came along, I would imagine, because, you know, actors have to have their backstory. Right. The backstory of what it is the audience never sees, but what you have in your mind and your spirit and your motivation for, for how you play a scene. And I would imagine that Charity, by the time Charity came along, You know, the church was starting to get a little bit more on and popping, Mm -hmm. and they were busy. So she didn't get the same kind of nurturing Mm -hmm. that she got spoiled because there were maids and things to help take care of her. Mm -hmm. But she didn't have the best and most highly um, important character traits from her her parents that the other kids got. So that's why she's kind of lost. And she told Charity, she's had the the husband who figured out that he was (laughs) gay. And then the music producer Mm. who was kind of a philander himself. and, And now she wants to preach. But isn't that something how offsprings of spiritual leaders or offsprings of, you know, in, in, in many churches, how often you do see the children just step into like it's a you know, just a regular corporation. Absolutely. You
0: know? Absolutely. Like, and that's why so
5: I feel deserving to, to 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 inherit the business. That's, that's why it's and, so important
0: to listen to this sh- look at this show this season because I felt that I'm mean, just to let you know this. You know, this season to me, Lynn, when I mm-hmm. look at the characters are fully developed now. You know, Mm -hmm. Grace got her Mm -hmm. issues with AJ. Noah Noah now knows that AJ is is his son, and he knew nothing about that. You know, dealing with that. And now, you know, now the Bishop trying to get back with you because y'all living in the same mansion. Carissa trying to get a house so they can sell some land. Charity now, she's she's spying. She's the spy because Phil... Has assured her once she gets, once they kick Grace out, he's gonna be head pastor and he's gonna move up to AP. I know. So now Charity has this
5: Jezebel slash Judas <laughs> spirit all over. I don't know. Uh, oh Lord, these children.
0: I love it. I tell you, Lady May, I wanna thank you for coming on my show. You know I am a fan of you and I'm a fan of Greenleaf. So tell everybody to watch this show along with me. when when you're on Instagram, because I'm going to tell everybody, tell everybody that this show, this season, if you've not watched it at all, watch it this season because, boy, they got the soap opera, soap opera working on this show this season. Lynn, thank you for coming on my show, Money-Making Conversations.
3: Money-Making Conversations continues online at www.moneymakingconversations.com and follow Money-Making Conversations on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.
0: Your health plays a major role in your success. What you eat can give you the energy and longevity to live a long life. My next guest, plant-based vegan lifestyle, is being adopted and promoted by celebrities such as Beyonce, Jay-Z, and Ariana Grande. Athletes such as Venus Williams, Tom Brady, and Novak Djokovic. Even entire companies, including Google, and countries as big as China, are supporting the movement to eat more plant-based food. Whether your goal is prevention or cure, Detoxin is your first step to living free of inflammatory diseases such as fibroids, diabetic, diabetes, heart disease, lupus, cancer, and so much more. Please welcome the Money Making Conversations Coach Jesse Thompson.
6: Good morning. Hello. So exciting to be a part of this conversation.
0: Well, good. Um, Rashawn,
6: you know, we're not about just creating generational wealth, but generational
0: health. So this is an important conversation <laughs> today. Well, you know, that's why I started. Your health. Plays a major role in your success. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, well, you're talking to yes, an sir. all-time bad eater here, so. uh um, So we're gonna so help you out. We're gonna, you're gonna help, you me out, out, you help me out. Help I me mean, out, my my wife. She's over there. She's trying. She's trying. You know, but and I keep breaking her down because you know I'm not gonna. I'm refusing to to do the right thing, but I do the right thing periodically. But great mm-hmm. having you on the show. My first question, Coach Jesse Thompson. How did your journey lead you to being Coach Jesse Thompson?
6: Well, first, please feel free to just call me Coach Jesse because the Thompson makes it even longer. So so that saves some time on well, your Well, I had to say, you know,
0: people might Google. I want to let everybody know who I'm talking to first. So rest of the yes, interview sir. will yes, be Coach yes, Jesse.
6: I appreciate it. Well, you know, it started out with my own health struggle, Rashawn. Um It was battling, you know, as one of the 90% of black women Mm -hmm. who battle fibroids by age 50. And, you know, this is not just an epidemic that affects black women, but it affects up to 70% of women at large. So this is a female epidemic, okay? Mm -hmm. But when you look at us as black women, it affects up to 90% of us because it affects us disproportionately, excuse me. And I battled battled fibroids, uterine fibroids. Which are small, small um, tumors that form in the uterine lining mm-hmm. or inside the uterus, um, but just you know, in many places in the uterus. Um, specifically, they cause things such as um, pelvic pain, um, heavy, heavy, severe bleeding that is really more hemorrhaging mm-hmm. to um, a ana- that causes anemia, mm-hmm. um, as well as you know, severe conditions that even lead to cardiac arrest. Um, And the the critical thing here is that it is an epidemic, and I didn't know it was when I was battling it. So I battled them for 14 years, and 10 of those years actually battled infertility that was caused by the fibroids. Mm. I saw myself, I um, I ended up actually experiencing 12 surgeries, five of them, major surgeries, five of them were for fibroids, and five of them were for complications from those fibroids. Right. And because of the infertility that the fibroids were causing, my husband and I struggled, as I said, to conceive. Um, we had a devastating miscarriage. And October is actually um, Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month. Um, so I really am I'm, I'm, I'm sharing love for those women who the day actually is October 15th is the day and the month is October. Mm-hmm. But I know what it's like to lose a child. Um, and many people don't even realize how that mentally breaks you down. Um, in this whole process, It's just a whole other animal. You it understand? Is. So we underwent five IVF cycles to try to conceive, and that's a real financial blow, Rashawn, because you know mm-hmm. advanced reproductive technologies such as in vitro fertilization are not typically, especially when I was doing it, um, you know, more than ten years ago. It was not covered by insurance, and we had to come out of pocket sometimes ten, fifteen, um, twenty thousand dollars at a time. You understand? So you can see how financial stress um, only um, really it, it, it multiplied the the overall effect of what we were going through health wise. Um, and you know, finally, we conceived as the result of our fifth IVF cycle. And even then, after we thought, you know, oh, we're in the, we're in, we're in the clear now um, at, tw- at 21 weeks, you know, uh, my doctor actually sat across the table from me at a, at the co- a regular consult um, and said to me that we needed to consider terminating our pregnancy. Mm. It took us 10 years to achieve at that time. So, Rashawn, you can imagine. I remember that moment. I, I can always put myself back in that moment, and I remember something rising up within me as a woman of faith and saying, "No, no, no. Right. We are believers. We are people of faith. If right. we didn't struggle and battle for ten years to not give this baby a chance, we believe in miracles." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, six weeks later, I was admitted to the hospital because the condition worsened. And it was because, Rashawn the fibroids had grown, and they were now competing with the baby for life. Absolutely. a life source, Absolutely. which is the blood. So literally, it was siphoning off the blood supply that mm. was supposed to be going to the child. So the condition was something called fetal growth restrictions. The baby was not growing enough.
0: Right. Right. right.
6: So here we are, they're telling me everything. This baby's not supposed to be here. This baby's not supposed to live. But you know, as I said, we have prayer worries all Absolutely. over. Sean. Absolutely. We have faith, <laughs>
0: belief, Strength.
6: Yes, our faith, yes. And even though, even at the last minute on the delivery table, you know, my heart stopped on the delivery table. But we both made it through. Mm-hmm. And I was happy to say that we gave birth to my beautiful, amazing miracle baby, Mia <laughs> Madison, which means purposeful warrior. <laughs> mm, awesome! Because awesome. she's a, literally that; she epitomizes that. On September eighth, two thousand eleven, at two and a half pounds.
0: Well, um, okay, yeah, I know what, two I know and what and a half pounds I know what a baby, a new child, who did for me. Uh, it gives mm-hmm. you a future. Gives you a sense of. Uh, clearly understanding your purpose you know, mm-hmm. and, the, and the positivity in watching that. This is a, a blank slate that you brought into the world. Anything that you, that what you're giving this child is what's going to determine their future, all the emotions, all the structure. So uh, mm-hmm. congratulations. Congratulations.
6: Thank you. And you know, Rashawn, what was the crazy thing is that when I birthed her, she birthed me mm-hmm. into my work and purpose because when, um, The first year of our life, Essence Magazine did a profile on our story called My Fertility Journey, Mm -hmm. and it went viral. Mm. Rashawn, it was women all over the world pouring in comments and sharing it and telling me, thank you so much for sharing your story. Your story has given me hope. You Mm. don't know I've had this many surgeries. I've been trying to conceive for this long. Oh, my God, right now, you don't understand. I was ready to give up. Thank you for sharing. And they had been suffering in silence. Because remember, I thought it was just my own personal hell. I didn't know it was an epidemic. epidemic. I didn't know that millions of women were battling this. Because we weren't talking about it, right? Mm -hmm. Mm So here it was, this now gave me awareness of how and how epic this was. And I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Where are the marches? Where are the, you know, the, the, the awareness, um, campaigns and and where are the campaigns? You Mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? This is affecting 90% of black women, 70% of women at large. What in the world? And I started to do advocacy work, Rashawn. I started to, you know, uh, participate in congressional briefings and, and, and on panels and alongside GYNs. And what I realized at that time, and I, and it, that it was, it was the same story that they were telling was the same story they had been telling me that we don't know what causes it. We don't know, it just happens. And right. I said, that's not, that's It not, can't be true. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Rashawn, that just said into to me. And I said a prayer. I remember I said, sitting up in my room with that I said, God, this can't be right. Can you, can I be part of the cure? And I remember, seriously, like literally at that time, I didn't realize it, but the fibroids were still coming back again. Right. Okay. After I had my daughter. Right. 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 And I came to this point where finally traditional medicine failed me, Rashawn. Yes. Okay. Yes.
0: But the food is becoming uh, engaging to people like me. Absolutely. That you're winding up, that you're and becoming uh, sellable and marketable to the general public now. And, it, Absolutely. and it, it's really interesting Big because. Big
6: money. Big money now. Big it, money.
0: Because it's really interesting because the the people made this change. You know, like I said, we don't want know, this product that has all this sugar. We don't want this fried food. And so we want to know what the calories are. What exactly are we eating at these various restaurants? Put it on the menu so we know. Mm-hmm. So we, yeah. as a people, decided we want to know. And so the it's industry just said, oh, oh okay. we can't keep fooling them now. Like you said earlier right. about that medicine, right. we can't keep food. Mm-hmm. We got to start telling them. And then they said, okay, not only do we have to start telling them because they're not even buying a product that we are forcing on them, like we're saying this is your only option to eat this type of food or this type of candy or this type of cake, we're going to have to adjust our menus, adjust our our products on our store shelves to say, we hear you, here you are, and that's why a person like me enjoying Impossible Burger, which they have they have the Wahlbergs has an Impossible Burger, Burger King, Wendy's, all these places. But I've been at Burger King three times. It's great. I enjoy it. <laughs> I I'm about to go get a double. You know, oh no. I'm gonna no, get a no. double. I'm gonna get a Come double. On, I gotta throw well, I gotta throw down now. I gotta get me a Whopper a Whopper bun with a double burger.
6: Oh uh, my lord. Well, well let me let me chime in on that, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, everybody's on their journey, and this is the thing. I think people are sick and tired of being sick, okay yes, mm-hmm. You know diseases are at epic proportions mm-hmm. right now in terms of the levels, whether it's you know cancer. every major disease you can think of it's the the the, the um, what do you call it? the obesity um, high numbers, yes, and, and people are saying, "Wait a minute, what can we do about it?" Because traditional medicine really has really been about treatment and not prevention, right? And the mm-hmm. money is in the treatment, the money's not in the cure. But we know when you change what you eat, you can actually prevent and reverse these things because you let your body do the work it's supposed to do. But So what we say to people is, you know, everybody's on a journey. And you. what we know about food that actually is your medicine, you want to use foods that are non-hybrid, foods that are not synthetic, foods that are all natural. They're non-GMO, right? right. Plant-based foods. Those foods actually help your body do the reverse work, help, mm-hmm. help kick your body into the work where mm-hmm. it's actually um, in breaking down the inflammation. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of stuff that's out there under the vegan label, Rashad, and right. I'm not going to lie to it. It's not all good, okay? Right. <laughs> <In terms of laughs> slow me down. Slow me down. You. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to slow you down now. But let me tell you why, okay? Because they're th- it's sort of like we got, they, they're giving you the carrot, okay, and hoping that you'll stay there. But I'm going to give you a bigger picture because while the Impossible Burger is making you feel like, okay, it's a good first step to right. eating that, you know, the ribs. Because, look, I was a major carnivore, Rashawn,
5: mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. Before
6: all of this, I am somebody, I could eat oxtails every day. Mm-hmm. I got engaged at a Tony Robbins rib place. <laughs> that was my life. You understand what I'm saying? So for me, I needed that. I, when I finally realized that my health was on the line and what power was in my hands to change it, Rashawn. Mm-hmm. When I realized, wait a minute, the food is not entertainment. The food is my medicine. Right. Okay. Right. When I started to understand that I went hardcore and I reaped the benefits of it. And so are all of our clients. Okay. But the key thing is understand that people are trying to get their foods that things like impossible burger and beyond meats, you have to be careful in terms of being long-term on them. Okay? Absolutely. You may say, Absolutely. you know what, I'm trying to taste this to see, can I even can I even try? Yeah. You know? I actually can went I, to can chipotle. I, do, can I, I went do
0: to I went to chipotle <laughs> yesterday, so I'm I'm trying to diversify. You I know what you're it. saying.
6: Yes, sir. Listen, and it's a journey. It's a journey. I, one of the some of the best best calls I have, I'll have a brother. Oh, I, I did it, Jesse. I did it. You know, I stopped <laughs> eating, I, and I'm I'm eating this now. I'm like, see, brother, this is it. And it's the first step for you even thinking differently. You know what oh. I'm saying? You 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 put you dipped your toe in it. The then next we're... thing we want you to do is to start saying, okay, wait a minute. Now, really understanding what those labels mean, you cool. know, because, um, because it just has a vegan label doesn't mean it's healthy. Like, you know, the, 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 the that, that name you talked about has something called glutamic acid, you know, those, Absolutely. those burgers and they can, they can cause glutamate and Absolutely. they can cause things like bloating and nausea and Ooh. vomiting and diarrhea, but understand for your body, for somebody who's coming from where you were coming from, it's going to be like a leap.
0: Okay, cool. Hey, Coach Jesse, I got to wrap this up. Um, I want to bring you back on the show. You're amazing. Uh, DDetoxnow.com is where you can go. Also, send me some banners so I can put it on my social media because, you know, I have all that baking. I need to put some healthy stuff on there, too. Uh, You are fantastic. She's officially Coach Jesse Thompson, but we just call her Coach Jesse. DDetoxnow.com.
2: Hey, this is Tasha Evans, and I love to eat at great restaurants. And more than that, I love great desserts. So does Rashawn McDonald check out his new website that's www.rashawnmcdonald.com. that's r-u-s-h-i-o-n and mcdonald is spelled just like the famous restaurant chain guys Rashawn is looking for great bakers for his baker spotlight he wants to brag on his fans for their incredible baking skills on his social media and website that can be your mom friend co-worker or relative spread the word today visit rashawnmcdonald.com.
0: Hi, this is Rashawn McGowan. I'm empowering you. You listen. I will give you advice. You listen, and I will help you be successful. You listen, and I will tell you where to go, who to talk to, who to meet, and what to write down. It's important that you write down information. A lot of people don't do that. They try to memorize, and then all of a sudden, you get in the conversation. Something happens, they forget. Write down what is important to you because what's important to you will have value for you as long as you can find it. If you can't find what is valuable to you, then it will not have any value to your success. Now, money and education? Education and money. People tell you that if you get a college degree it would lead to a better life, but what they don't talk about is the money involved in that process. There's so many levels. My next guest has helped hundreds and thousands of students make smart decisions with their money, relationships and education. He's a national best-selling author and travels the country as a Ramsey Personality, Spreading his encouraging message to help teens and young adults start their lives off right. His latest book, Debt-Free Degree, launches this month. Please welcome to Money-Making Conversations, Anthony O'Neill.
4: Oh, man, good morning. Thanks so much for having me on, sir. Appreciate the opportunity.
0: (laughs) Oh, where where are we calling you? Where are you calling in from, my friend?
4: Man, right now I'm on book tour, so I'm in uh, Los Angeles, California today and tomorrow. Then we fly out to um, Denver, Colorado, then from there to Houston. So I'm just out here traveling the world trying to spread this message and help a lot of parents and young people as much as I possibly can.
0: Well, you know, we I just left Houston. Houston is my, uh, where I was born and raised. I have a home in Houston, so I know that's a great great place to eat. I'll be in Los Angeles yes, on uh, Friday, so we're kind of like missing ourselves. I will not be in Denver. <laughs> Even though Denver, Colorado, is, Colorado is my favorite state. I love the <laughs> weather there. I love the uh the views in Colorado. So you're going to a lot of places that I enjoy, which means that yes, you're sir, changing yes, lives. I'm Never- looking
4: forward to Denver to see the people, but not for the weather. It's snowing and cold up hey, here. So I love I'm a black brother. <laughs> I don't
0: know if I'm a black brother too, but I love that cold. I'm going to see you some photos. They go, if you dress like me, Mr. O'Neil, yeah, you wouldn't mind yes, going to Denver, because, brother, I got some clothes. <laughs> Let's talk about you in this book, man. I read it, and I enjoyed it. And uh, my, I had a 22-year-old daughter who's in college. She's a junior. Uh, I brag about it because she's a national Honor Society student but of course she has her dad and her dad yeah. is paying for her education so she's not hitting in these moments where you have to concern yourself about debt free now her dad went to college and I had some grants that allowed me to go through college and then I worked part-time at night so I left college debt free I had no issues wow. about credit card problems and things like that so I clearly understand there is an issue there are companies on TV right now that tell you if you give it we can we can get you out of college debt. There are people, the politicians trying to create formats where you can walk away from the debt. So this book and this conversation you're having is a national epidemic. I'm going to use the word epidemic that people are trying to figure out how they can fix it. What is your book telling us what to do? Talk about that.
4: Well, my book is really pretty much the step-by-step process to how we can get our young people into college and through college 100% debt-free. We got $1.6 trillion in student loan debt. The average student would graduate with about $35,000 in student loan debt. But then a fifth of our students would graduate with $100,000 or more. You know, so many people are relying on the government for the student loan forgiveness program and all this other type of stuff. But here's my thing. We need to start taking ownership for ourselves. And I graduated i'm um, um, high school thirty five thousand dollars in debt homes before I ni- before I was nineteen years old, and took out ten thousand dollars student loans and Nobody really explained to me what exactly will these loans do for my future and so just after doing a bunch of research and just really diving in with my team and I. You know, we literally came up with the process of saying here, here is a step-by-step process on how you can get your child into college and through college 100% debt-free. This is not just an encouragement book. This is from 7th grade through 12th grade. If you follow this plan, your child will go to school debt-free.
0: Right. Now, the interesting thing, before we get started, uh, I, it was something. What, what is a – I'm going to ask this commercial because it kept popping up. What is a Dave Ramsey personality? Because it's mentioned as part so, of your credits. Let's talk about that.
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Dave Ramsey, a financial guru, mentor of mine, and uh, and and the, the pretty much the lead of, of, of my current career. Um, you know, everyone knows Dave Ramsey for the number two, number three talk radio show in the world, and so he's bringing in personalities who will help spread his message and our own messages you know Dave is preparing to uh, for successions so whenever he plans to retire or whenever God transitions <laughs> him he mm-hmm. wants to make sure that his company I um, mean his message can still reach the world so there's five of us you have his daughter then you have Chris Hogan Ken Coleman Chrissy Wright then you have myself mm-hmm. and then we're all in different different spokes I would say I'm in the team millennial and African American space is yes, really sir. helping young people avoid debt get out of debt and build wealth mm-hmm. and then you have Chris Hogan Who's focused on helping people retire millionaires, and, and and then that's spoken. And Ken Coleman helping young people get into their dream jobs and careers. So we're all in our different spaces. Uh, Dave Ramsey is a head of personality. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we have nearly a thousand team members there in Nashville, Tennessee, and we're just here to help people be good stewards of their money become debt-free, and just build wealth and leave a legacy rather than dying with debt and just living paycheck to paycheck.
0: Well, it is great uh, because I wanted to get that explained because a lot of people try. He's a mentor, but now he's a business relationship as well, which is really good. Now, how did you come across creating this relationship with someone like a Dave Ramsey?
4: You know, for me, I was uh, pastoring in Jacksonville, Florida. I had the opportunity to serve up beneath the great Bishop Rudolph McKissick, Jr. in Jacksonville, Florida, Uh, about nearly 30,000 members. And there, what I was doing was taking my message into high schools, into colleges, and traveling around the world, speaking for people like Bishop T.D. Jakes, uh, Bishop Eddie Lone before he passed, Dr. Creflo Dollar, some big names. Um, and just really spreading the message of life skills to young people from a spiritual perspective. and mm-hmm. grew one of the largest youth ministries, um, urban youth ministries in the world. And so uh, with building something such as that and traveling as much as I was traveling, I was getting different uh, opportunities from different people. Um, and Dave Ramsey was one of them. Him and his team was looking for a good millennial guy to come in and spread the message. Um, and then they seen this young, sharp African-American man who made some mistakes, uh, who's a flawed brother but still has a passion to help people. Right. Uh, with the God-fearing message, and they asked me to come in, and I joined the team five years ago, actually.
0: Okay. Now, early on in your book, when you talk about you know, your father, and you talk about how you were, how I benefited you to go to school, was it the, the GI plan or the uh... yes, okay.
4: yes, sir, yes, sir. So my father served 35 years in the army, and so I had. My father's GI Bill. We didn't know anything about college. We didn't know anything about scholarships. Uh, but I had my father's GI Bill. Then I also had a partial scholarship from the NFL, the National Forensics League. Mm-hmm. So when I went off to college, I honestly didn't need a dime for school. Mm-hmm. But I took out $10,000 just to fund my lifestyle.
0: I know. And I then- know. I know. <laughs> it's great. It's you know, like I said, I, I saw my friends, the car, the clothes, yeah. the food, you know, the apartment. And not, not realizing that, guess what? Somebody's going to ask for this. And you may not have the <laughs> you may not have the full time job to be able to pay it back, but God, you're living great. Let's go. Oh and
4: man, it, I had a blast. You know, I was treating all the young ladies out to eat. I was putting sound in the back absolutely. of the car, rims on the car. You know, I had it. But you know, you're right. You know, I'm, 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 I'm looking 10, at you was, on the was,
0: cover here. Got your Shinola watch on and everything. I'm looking at you, brother. <laughs> you know, because I, 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 I got a Shinola, so I know you got. I know you got style. I know you. I know you understand that swag conversation. Yes,
5: sir.
0: Uh, Anthony, let me ask you this, like. You know, I just finished a big contract with the Air National Guard, and and one of the things was about, you know, they'll pay for the college education, serve close to home, weekend warrior. I didn't see anything like that as part of your your book, uh, any of the reserves or any of the armed national Guard as as an option to be able to go to them to be able to enlist and and allow them to pay for the education. Any reason why you didn't choose to put any of them into your book? Well,
4: no, they're they're briefly in the book. I didn't do a full chapter on Mm -hmm. the Army Reserve or about the military. I did Mm -hmm. list out different options and different opportunities to do it. Um, A lot of people are aware of what the Army and the military brings to the table. Mm -hmm. Um, Clearly in the book, what I really wanted to do was just give everyone a clear route option um, and all of the options. So I couldn't afford to go through every single thing, but we do mention, and we do have a quick page or two in the book about what will the Army and the military provide um, for that as well.
0: Oh, Let's start but
4: I'm from a the, huge
0: component of it, though. Absolutely, absolutely. Let's uh, let's talk about the, the book and who you're reaching and things like that. Start from the beginning, okay? We, we you talked about your story, 19 homeless. You know, you yeah. you, you, you built a huge ministry. Uh, you're reaching millennials. And what is the number one mistake that a person, of in college, or about to go to college, or graduate from college, is doing with their finances?
4: Well, there's two things. I would say the top two things, the top two mistakes that I'm seeing with young people today, and even parents, is that they're taking out student loans, and they do not have a vision and a plan for their life. So uh, I always tell people up front, if you really want to go to college, let's go to college. And if you want to go to college debt-free, we've got to take debt off of the table, and we've got to have a vision. We've got to have a plan for what we're going to do.
0: And so really, if we, this book is important to me to promote for you because if you don't start telling people the responsibility of finances at an early age, they become horrible adults.
4: Yeah, they, they they really do. And that's something that, you know, us at Ramsey Solutions and myself and my team are really just passionate about doing because I didn't have the education. I was just told, go to college, get a, get a 700 credit score, um, and you'll be successful and get a good mm-hmm. job. When mm-hmm. uh, all of my mentors from Dave Ramsey, Mark Cuban and like, man, forget a credit score. Let's get, let's get money in your bank account. You know, let's be, let's be debt-free. Let's just go after our dreams. Let's build wealth. And we're on a mission, not just with this book, just even with, you know, we have one out of uh, three um, our high schools have our um, high school curriculum, to where we're trying to bring this information down to the middle schools and high schoolers while they're in school. So that way, when they graduate, they know how to budget, they know the difference between a credit card, a debit card. They can start purchasing homes at an early age. They can start investing at age eighteen, nineteen, and and building up their Roth four hundred one k or the Roth IRA. So what you're saying, you and I are on the same page that we have to make sure that we don't owe anybody, and we got to make sure we're getting this information out to our young people earlier on. But it also starts by getting this information to their parents, which is why I wrote this book, because they are the number one influencers in their lives.
0: Absolutely. Anthony states, that's Anthony who's speaking on the phone, states there are three main ways to pay cash for college. Saving money, finding money, and work. And that's what this book amounts to. And also putting forth effort and realizing that look at at your future postgraduate. Look at your future, not at the moment, but down the line. And I think that was a natural thing for me that I picked up along the way. And so if I could figure out a way to not spend money on the bigger picture, spend money on the smaller picture, which would get me to the bigger picture, I mm-hmm. understood there was victory at hand. And not, I'm not, I grew up in an era where I was not driven by social media. I was not driven, you know, hey, I, when I was born, they had rotary dial telephones. Okay, so that's when—that's the era that I lived through, and I've been fortunate to live through all these different breaks of technology to know that the system that I lived under works today. And that's what you have in this book, Anthony. I really, really, this is a book I'm recommending. I, and um, and if you come through Atlanta, please let me know on your book tour so I can come by and see you, and uh, tell my followers to to come by and uh, buy your book or buy it online. But you are you got something, my friend, and you keep winning me. I
4: appreciate you, man. I really do appreciate the opportunity to share this message, and I love what you're doing too, man. Thanks for all what you're doing for our people and our culture and this entire world.
0: Well, money making conversations about you. You know, if I don't have, <laughs> I would tell people just say, "Make America great again." It starts with individuals like you, and it starts with saying that individuals like us, people of color, have value. And yes. if you don't promote the value of a process, then guess what? You, you're then you'll be, a, a different picture will be painted about you. And uh, as you tour this country, as I've toured it many, many years, and I will continue touring in the future, different shades will uh, allow people to think of you differently. Uh, Mr. O'Neill, thank you for coming on my show. I will promote this book, tell uh, your crew to send me some banners so I can put it on all my social media, and uh, we'll keep winning. Thank you, Mr. O'Neill. O'Neill.
3: Money-Making Conversations continues online at www.moneymakingconversations.com and follow Money-Making Conversations on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time you stop thinking about your dreams and put some plans into action.